Hey, this is Sarah Wyman. I'm one of the producers for the Atlas Obscura podcast. In honor of Women's History Month, we're going to be resharing some of our favorite stories about women who have been left out of the history books and highlight women who are making history today. Today, we're revisiting a story I reported about the women of the Black Panther Party. Last year, I had the incredible privilege of speaking to Jill Christina Vest, who's responsible for commissioning a mural on the side of her house in Oakland, honoring the women who gave back to their community as part of the Black Panther movement. I also had the opportunity to speak to some of the women who inspired the mural. And it's a story that I'm honored to be able to reshare with you today. If you want to learn more about Atlas Obscura's Women's History Month project, you can also visit the link in the show notes. It's February 14th, 2021. People from all over the city are gathered in the middle of a street in West Oakland. Welcome, welcome, welcome once again. Can we make some noise for this moment? This beautiful, beautiful moment. There are loudspeakers and a mic stand on the sidewalk. Misha Mosley, the MC, lifts the mic out of its holder and sweeps the cord away from her feet. She turns around, away from the street, and gazes up at the wall behind her. How about this mural, y'all? How about this mural? Now, you know, many of you have been here, you've been looking at it, but we want you to have a moment to really look at it. The mural is painted across the entire side of a two-story Victorian house. There's so much. There's so much. I want to just offer a, a, a little bit of silence for folks just to take it in with your eyes. Just take it in with your eyes for a moment. Four women are painted onto the side of this house. One is holding an overflowing bag of groceries. Another is holding a protest sign, and her arm is pumping through the air. Next to her, a woman in a medical coat has her arm wrapped around a little girl. They're both laughing. And behind all of them, the fourth woman stands tall, with one hand halfway up the neck of a rifle. here to celebrate the women of the Black Panther Party. We are engaged in this celebration. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. You've heard one story about the Black Panthers, about the armed young Black men in leather jackets and berets who patrolled Oakland during the 60s and 70s. But there's another side to that story. And now, it's painted on the side of a house in West Oakland. 30 feet tall, 60 feet across. The women of the Black Panther Party. We took care of each other. When we joined the Black Panther Party, it was not anger. It was love that drew us there. Their story and the mural story after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. 
There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I love the book, The Power Broker, the epic biography of former New York City planner Robert Moses. So I'm breaking it down 100 pages at a time and talking to special guests about why this book matters, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I actually think if it wasn't for Robert Moses, I probably wouldn't have run for Congress. Listen to 99% Invisible's breakdown of The Power Broker every month on the 99% Invisible podcast feed. My name is Jill Christina Vest, and I am the curator and homeowner of the Women of the Black Panther Party mural in West Oakland, California. I was born and raised in Chicago, and the whole connection to the Black Panther Party, I say, is I was born in 1966, and so every time the Panthers have a birthday, I have a birthday. Jill Christina doesn't remember the first time she heard about the Black Panthers. She's sure her dad talked about them when she was little. One of her sisters thinks that they might even have gone to the free breakfast program before school. But it wasn't until Jill Christina was older that she really connected with the movement. When she was 19, she moved to California. And in 1989, she audited a class at San Francisco State University. And that's where I had Angela Davis as a professor. Angela Davis. That Angela Davis. The famous activist, writer, and Black Panther Party member. It just lit a fire in me of like, oh, I can take an entire class and learn about people that look like me? Oh, yeah. Where do I sign up? Where do I sign up? Jill Christina ended up enrolling at San Francisco State full-time. She took more classes with Angela Davis and became politically active on campus. The entire group I hung out with, we were forced to be reckoned with during those years that we were there. You know, we'd be walking across campus and it would just be like the parting of the Red Sea, like, oh no, what are they going to do now? They're going to shut down the administration building, something, something. It was powerful and amazing. And um, so much of it had to do with the professors. I was in the presence of Black women who were 20 years my senior and modeled for me what it looked like to be a powerful Black woman. Jill Christina moved to Oakland in 1992, and she got a job putting together profiles of neighborhoods in West Oakland for a community organizing group. And she interviewed people who lived in the neighborhood for decades, including during the rise of the Black Panther Party. And in 2002, Jill Christina moved into her own house in West Oakland. She wanted to live near the Black Panther's original headquarters and be part of that continuing legacy. Last summer, in June of 2020, Jill Christina was walking in downtown Oakland. And blocks and blocks of storefronts had been boarded up with plywood sheets during the protests. Local artists had painted murals over them, inspired by the Black Lives Matter movement. 
it's like, you know, two or three miles of murals that came out of the rebellions. And they're stunning and they're gorgeous. But every single one of them is a mural about a black person that's been murdered by the police. Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, it's literally miles of names and faces and names and faces. And I was like, okay, this is beautiful art and it's bringing me joy, but it's totally reminding me of what I'm trying to balance. And that's where it came from. I said, you know what, I'm gonna put a mural on my house but it's going to be about Black joy. And it, the, the part where the Panthers came in is my house is on the corner of Center and Ninth. Ninth Street is now commemoratively named Dr. Hugh P. Newton Way um, for a three-block stretch, and I'm right in the middle of it. And it's named that because my house sits across the street where he was felled in 1989. Huey P. Newton was, of course, one of the founders of the Black Panther Party. And he's the picture you always see, that archetype of the handsome guy in the black leather jacket and the beret. Joe Christina's house is on the intersection where he was assassinated in 1989. That's, I think, where it kind of just kind of clicked I was like, okay, the Black Panthers. It was like all of this jumble. And then I was just like, wait a minute. What about the women in the Black Panther Party that I personally know that I've never seen talked about or celebrated or any honors or monuments? And then that it just clicked. It's going to be dedicated to the women of the Black Panther Party. Oh my God, that's perfect. But this wasn't just a celebration of the past, because some of these women were still around. When I decided to have it dedicated to the women of the Black Panther Party, the first person I contacted was Erica Huggins. Erica, go ahead, darling. I'm going to get my coffee. Okay. All right. Jill Christina put us in touch with Cheryl Dawson and Erica Huggins, and they're both former members of the Black Panther Party. Erica was a leader of the party. I joined the Black Panther Party in 1967. I was very young. Median age of party members is 19 years old. I'm I'm Cheryl Dawson, and like Erica, I began my work with the party when I was quite young. I was a little older than Erica. Oh, I was in my early 20s. Both Erica and Cheryl had infant daughters who they would swaddle in blankets and bring with them to the party's headquarters. Erica and Cheryl took political classes. They organized food drives. They registered people to vote. And they basically ran the party with their babies strapped to their backs. Women outnumbered men in the Black Panther Party. We didn't consider it to be a big deal then. But when we mention it to people, understanding what the narratives were and the iconography, who did you see? Handsome, wonderful looking black men with black leather jackets and berets. Brothers and sisters, peoples and human beings alike, it's good to see you here tonight. And sometimes you got to see the women, but there we were running everything behind the scenes. There's one proposal that was brought up last night, as a matter of fact. That the- this is Erica Huggins in 1972, 
She's sitting alongside Black Panther Party leaders Bobby Seale and Elaine Brown at a press conference. was to have a youth involvement program that would give drug counseling, medical care, psychiatric counseling, education. When people say they need something, the Black Panther Party would create it. That's how the Breakfast for Children program started. We had free medical clinics. The Black Panther Party, contrary to mainstream media, was for defending one's community. I believed then, that, and I believe now, that our survival depends on our own community work. I mean, we may have allyship and folks might come and go at the table, but at the center of that, we need to be there because we know what, it, what it's like. I fought then because I didn't want racism and racist violence to be the torturer of, of my community. I, I wanted it over. I knew my history. I wanted it over. After the Black Panther Party dissolved in the early 80s, Cheryl Dawson started working on programs to help empower incarcerated women. She eventually got her master's degree in women's spirituality and womenist theology, and she became a reverend. Erica Huggins spent almost a decade as the director of the Oakland Community School, and she became the first woman and the first black person to serve on the Alameda County Board of Education. She's been a professor, a poet, and a human rights activist. And then, one day last year, Jill Christina Vest called. She said, Erica, I want to do an homage to women of the Black Panther Party. I want it so that girls and women and elders and people just driving by or walking by will feel a little bit taller. That little girls will look up at these women who are pictured here and look at their brown skin and their smiling faces and say to themselves, I could be like that. They look like me. Jill Christina and Erica agreed that the mural had to be bold and simple. They wanted to grab people's attention from blocks away and draw them in closer. She said it should be dedicated to the rank and file women because we talked about, everybody knows Angela and Kathleen Cleaver, Erica Huggins, Elaine Brown, Asata Shakur, those names are very known and visible. But 70% of the Panthers were women. They did everything that the men did and more because there were more of them. The four portraits in the mural are of real women in the Black Panther Party. They're based on photographs taken by Stephen Shames during the 1970s. Rachel Wolf Goldsmith, the artist who painted the mural, scaled the photos up and made the women 30 feet tall. But even though they take up the whole side of Jill Christina's house, and even though you can see them from blocks away, in a strange way, the women were still invisible because no one knew their names. One afternoon, weeks before the big unveiling, Rachel was out working on the mural when her scissor lift broke. And Jill came out of the house and was helping her with it when a car slowed down next to the sidewalk. Jill says the driver, his eyes glued to the mural, 
rolled down his car window and called out to Rachel. Do you know who that is on the wall? And she said, actually, no, we don't know anybody's names. And he said, I'm pretty sure that's my auntie. And we were just like, what? And I said, he's like, yeah, that's a famous photograph. I'm, isn't that, is that from a famous photograph? I said, yeah, it is. Do, 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 I got out my phone. I said, is this her? And he said, yep, that's my auntie. That's Dolores Henderson right there. And Rachel and I were just like, holy cow. Because this is just, it was a silhouette at that point. It wasn't anywhere near done. Erica Huggins recognized the woman in the doctor's coat. Her name is Lauren Williams, and the little girl is her daughter, Mary. The Black Panther holding the grocery bag is Angie Johnson. And the woman standing watch with the rifle has yet to be identified. But behind the images of the four women, the mural is filled with hundreds of other women's names, which spill across the siding of the house in big block letters. So even though we don't know the fourth woman's name, her name is probably on the mural somewhere because there's 300 names on the mural so far. You can walk up to it and you can speak these women's names into existence and know that they did something that changed the course of history for all of us, not just for black people, for all of us. We benefit from what they did, all of us do. On the day the mural was unveiled, local restaurants and community members donated 275 bags of groceries to needy families and houseless Oaklanders. Joe Christina hopes that the mural will continue to be a rallying point for the community. She plans to host more events like the unveiling. But in the meantime, she also recognizes the power the mural has all on its own as a work of art and as a story. Good morning. A couple of months after the mural was unveiled, Joe Christina stepped out of her house and crossed the street, and she recorded this audio for us. You can see it in all its glory. See all the women look up and down, look to the left and to the right, and take it all in. But really, being able to stand back and look into these women's eyes, that was something that was really important, was to make sure that the women are looking at the viewer so that you can look at them, see them, acknowledge them. It was important for them to be smiling and filled with joy because that's what was reflected back to me from the Panther women. Serving the people, body and soul, serving the people with love that brought them joy. They knew they were doing the right thing. When you're doing the right thing, makes you happy. If you want to see the mural in person, it can be found on the corner of Center Street and Dr. Huey P. Newton Way in Oakland. A museum commemorating the women of the Black Panthers is set to open on Friday, June 18th, 2021, in honor of Juneteenth. You can make an appointment online at West oaklandmuralproject.org. The link is in our episode description. And special thanks to Joe Christina Vest, Erica Huggins, and Cheryl Dawson. I want to say, when those who are listening hear our voices, 
please understand it is your invitation to serve. And also it's your invitation to imagine, to fiercely imagine what we can do together, each of us, to shift the consciousness of our world. This mural was painted by Rachel Wolf Goldsmith. And again, the women pictured on the mural are Dolores Henderson, Angie Johnson, Lauren Williams and her daughter Mary. And if you recognize the woman holding that rifle, let us know at hello at atlasobscura.com. You can find a link to the picture of the mural in our show notes. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was reported by the incredible Sarah Wyman. Our production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney, Manolo Morales. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Hi, I'm Willa Paskin, the host of Decoder Ring, Slate's podcast about cracking cultural mysteries. On Decoder Ring, we dive down rabbit holes and obsessively explore questions hiding in plain sight. Like, why has slow dancing gone out of style? And when did we all become obsessed with hydration? And where did the word mullet, you know, to describe a hairstyle, come from? That's Decoder Ring, named one of the best podcasts of 2023 by The New York Times. Listen to new episodes every two weeks and make sure to follow us so you never miss one.